Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. Reminder, make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at BackForthPod, Instagram is at BackForthPodcast, and of course, while you're there, make sure you follow uh, the official home for Back and Forth, that being the Talk That Talk Media Company. Their Twitter is at TTT Media Company. The rest of their socials are, of course, spelled out at Talk That Talk Media Company. Got a lot of college football to jump into today, along with some other stuff that happened over the weekend. We got AB Wild and out again. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, I don't think that's a surprise. Yeah, no, I don't believe it is at all. <laughs> that's actually par for the course now for Antonio Brown, unfortunately. But we'll get into that. And also we will dive into what went on with Tua on Thursday Night Football as we did not get a chance to recap that for you guys on Saturday's episode, just given when we had recorded Saturday's episode. That was obviously before Thursday night football. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. We will start with what we liked and disliked about the weekend. This can really range from anything. So college football, NFL, and NBA, NBA now. NBA's back. Paint drying, whatever you didn't like or, dis- or did like, you know, <laughs> it's on the table. Uh, Joey, why don't you kick us off? All right, so I'll start with all three of my likes. Matt will go with his likes. I'll do my dislikes. Matt will do his dislikes. All right. First thing I liked, and me and Matt may be in agreement on this. I'm not sure what he has on his list yet, but UNLV is 4-1. I figured that would make your list, so yep. I left it off mine, but yes. UNLV football, 4-1 for the first time since 2003. Um, huge for this program. Uh, and to come back down 17-0 uh, and pretty much outscore New Mexico 31-3 past that point, Absolutely huge for that program. Um, it may not have been the the prettiest of wins, but the way you look at it is, since the Royals been coach of this team, they they just do not quit. No, they don't quit. And regardless of record or how the game is, how much they're winning or losing by, they have no quit in them. And that is one thing I have noticed. Um, you even look back to last season, and I think Arroyo described it perfectly when the team got their first win. Um, a lot of teams, when they started off that year 0-8, a lot of teams give in. You know, they, they they throw in the towel. It's over. Like, they, the writing's on the wall. You're not making a bull game. There's nothing to play for. And that team did not quit. They went and won two games straight. They played a 19th-ranked San Diego State team. Extremely close. Arguably should have won that game. Um, there were some bad calls there down the stretch. Arguably should have won that game last year. And even before they had gotten the win, um, they played UTSA, a top 25 team close. They played Fresno State, another top 25 team really close. They played Utah State, who won the conference that year, extremely close. Um, So they had a lot of losses there that they should have won, but they never gave up throughout the year last season. And you look back to this year, same story. You're down 17-0 at home, um, and to have a 31-3 turnaround right there, uh, absolutely huge for them. So happy they're 4-1. And also not to mention, they were down two starting receivers Mm-hmm. They were down Kyle Williams and down uh, Jordan Weimer. Jordan Weimer um, against the best defense in the Mount West, remind you. So um, for, for Doug Brumfield and for the offense to go out and still find a way to move the ball down the field um, and for Doug Brumfield to still have 220 yards passing through the air and still, you know, uh, through the running game, I believe they had 100 yards total. Um, so for them to put up 300-plus yards of offense down – two starting receivers and Kyle Williams is arguably one of the best receivers in the Mountain West as well. Uh, one Mountain West freshman of the year, I believe uh, last season or the year before that. Um, yeah. So j- just a big win. Um, not a lot of things were in UNLV's favor that game uh, being down 17. Uh, Sorry, Jeff Weimer, Jeff sure. Weimer. Yeah. Um, having a few injuries and still finding a way to win that game. Um, that is definitely a like for me. Another like keeping it in Vegas Raiders get their first win. Um, one thing I, I almost thought about putting on my don't like list, but I'm not going to put a Raiders win. And then something about the Raiders on my dislike list is their, their red zone struggles. Um, but other than that, I mean, Josh Jacobs had a great game and I think Josh Jacobs, uh, Josh, excuse me, Josh Jacobs reminded, uh, McDaniels and the Raiders front office, like, Hey, you better extend me because you need me. And I, I think he proved that he had a fantastic game. I think 130 plus yards or at least 140 uh, with two touchdowns. Um, if you had Josh Jacobs in fantasy, you had a fantastic weekend. Um, but, yeah, Jacobs had a had a great game and uh, reminded 
uh, the Raiders that he better be on that team next year or past this season at least and that they need him. Uh, Derek Carr needs him. Uh, you need a good running back to help take the pressure off for you, and uh, I don't think the Raiders win that game without Josh Jacobs nope. on on Sunday. Derek Carr had another subpar performance. Uh, Derek Carr did not play the best of games. Derek Carr continued to struggle in the red zone, overthrowing the ball, making bad reads. Uh, last week he was throwing interceptions in the red zone. This um, last Sunday was you know fans in the win Winfield Encore Club or whatever were were getting a lot of a lot of free NFL balls. So. Uh, courtesy of Derek Carr, but um, they don't win that game without Josh Jacobs, I think. So I, I guess I should have put Josh Jacobs, but very happy the Raiders got their first win. A little long overdue. Uh, they got a tough one this Sunday against Kansas City. Last thing on my like list, all football, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush continues uh, the story, 4-0 and now as a starting quarterback. Um you know, didn't, didn't have the greatest of games, but I think two touchdowns, 200-plus yards through the air against a very good Washington defense. Um, I think it, he is, his, to be clear, I don't think he should get the starting Cowboy job, and anyone who thinks that is, is quite frankly, a little ridiculous. Um, but I think he's done a great job at his role and being a great backup quarterback, and he's done what's been asked of him. And he's, he's the backup quarterback the Cowboys wish they had during the Tony Romo era. Um, if they had Cooper Rush during the Tony Romo era, and maybe we maybe we're talking about the Cowboys finally making an NFC Championship game or something. Um, it's no secret how much Dallas struggled over over the years with backup QBs up until Dak Prescott, um, and Dak goes down, and, and Cooper Rush has been fantastic at his job. He has he has won a lot of tough football games. Um, Minnesota on the road, uh, a very tough Washington defense, uh, New York on the road, and. His first win was against the defending Super Bowl champions, the of our first win this year uh, against the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So he's won a lot of tough games, and um, we will see if Dak returns this weekend. But I think Dallas has another tough one this week. Uh, who are they playing? Let me uh, look at it. Maybe the Eagles. No, it's not the Eagles. Let me see. They play the Rams. Yeah, that's what it was. The Rams. They play the Rams in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. It's a home game. This yeah, home game pretty much. Um, any any that the Cowboys, Raiders, Steelers, Patriots probably yeah. Any one of those teams that go play the Rams at least or the Chargers. So for, well, Chargers any game is gonna be a home game for the opposing team. Yeah, I feel like. But those four teams for the Rams. The Rams have a little bit of a stronger, again, quote unquote, stronger fan base in LA. But there's about only four or five teams in the NFL where it's like yeah, that's a home game for them. Broncos too. Yeah. Bronco fans travel really well. Um, so yeah, that will be a home game for the Cowboys. Uh, but yeah, this, this is another big chance here for Cooper rush. This is a struggling Rams team sitting at two and two. Um, Dallas has the, uh, the defensive weapons to hang in there with, with the Rams and, uh, keep the offense off the field, let them rest a little bit. And if Cooper rush can kind of find a rhythm, he's got Michael Gallup back now. Um, along with CD lamb and Noah Brown's been having a great year. He's got two good running backs. His job's, you know, his job's a little easier. Uh, he has one of the easiest backup jobs in the in the league. He's got a great defense, and he has a lot of offensive weapons. So he could definitely, if he plays, which I think he should, you do not want to rush Dak Prescott back. Um, he could very well be 5-0. So Cooper Rush is at the end of my like list. Matt, the floor is yours. So top of the list um, is more of a bias for me than anything, but I was happy to see Mickey Joseph get his first win as the interim coach for Nebraska. Um, got a 14-point win over Indiana on Saturday, I think 35-21. You look at this week, I mean, winning another game is not out of the question for this team. They go play at Rutgers, um, I believe slightly favored in that game. And, I mean, if you get to 3-3, three and three, I'm not saying you're going to make miracles happen this year, but at least three at 3-3, three and three, the team's going to start feeling a little bit different about themselves compared to where they were at one and three, not that all that long ago. Right. Um, and, and I think it's, it's one of those that, um, you know, if anything, you want to build momentum going into next year and, um, you know, you still want to play for pride and all that. And I mean, mathematically, they're still well within the bull conversation. Um, if they can find momentum and they can um, really keep playing as they played on Saturday against Indiana. Um, obviously they have a very tough three game stretch to end the year, as we've mentioned before with, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and 
and I'm blanking on the other team, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan on the road. Um, I don't think it's in that order, but it's those three teams. And really, I mean, Wisconsin may be a more winnable game. I mean, they just fired their head coach, Paul Chris, uh, this past weekend. For whatever reason. I don't like the firing. Um, given what I saw him do at Wisconsin, I thought it was a little bit unjust. Um, Wisconsin, I feel like Wisconsin looked at that and was like, why aren't we Ohio State or Michigan? It's just, it's, you can't, not every team is going to be that good. Like there's only certain teams that will be like, if you're Wisconsin, I I don't know why they just didn't accept the fact that, you know, Ohio State, Michigan recruit better than you. Like kids want to go to Columbus, Ohio and Ann Arbor, Michigan more so than Madison, Wisconsin. Like that's just where it's at. Um, But Wisconsin's not a bad football program. Like Paul Chris did a pretty good job there. He was constantly like a, eight and four, nine and three, sometimes 10 and two type of coach. Like he, he would get you to a respectable bowl game would make an occasional appearance in the big 10 championship game. Like he wasn't a bad coach at all. So the fact that um, he got fired was, I don't know, a little unjust, but beside the point, happy to see Mickey Joseph get that first win as the interim head coach for Nebraska. The second win or, or second win for me, this team unfortunately did not win. Um, Texas A&M. Texas A&M lost to an unranked Mississippi State team, and they're done. Their year's over. Yeah, in uh, terms of getting a good play, getting into the playoff or a, a good bowl game. Yeah, they may get to like a seven and five, eight and four type of season. They're an SEC team, so they might get a halfway decent bowl game. But for all the mess that Jimbo Fisher talked in this offseason about his recruiting the NIL, going after Saban and Bama, who, by the way, you have to go play this weekend at their place. So have fun with that. Have a blast. Um, Yeah, Saban's going to rip Jimbo a whole new one on Saturday. Um, I can tell you that much. It's one of those that if they get up 55-3, to I don't think Saban's pulling the starters at all. I think it's foot on the gas pedal for sure. And, I, I mean... everybody tried to hype up Texas A&M, including Jimbo Fisher saying, Oh, well look at all the money they've dumped into their facilities and their program and this and that they're still Texas A&M. Like they haven't changed. You you can dump as much money as you want to. The culture hasn't changed. Jimbo is still Jimbo. Like the claim to fame for Jimbo Fisher is he won a national championship with Florida state and he beat Nick Saban last year. Whoop-de-doo. There's a lot of guys that have still won. Ed Orgeron won a national championship and beat Nick Saban. Where's he at now? So I don't know. A lot of people like Jimbo. I'm not a huge Jimbo Fisher guy. I think he's vastly overrated, much like Texas A&M is. So I was uh, rather pleased to see them lose to an unranked Mississippi State team. The final like that I have, and I'm surprised this didn't make your list as well, but the Kansas Jayhawks being 5-0 and to start the year. They win against Iowa State, a, a pretty well-coached Iowa State team with Matt Campbell. He's been Rumored to some of these job openings now, um, or at least in the conversation, uh, potentially leaving Iowa State for other jobs. So he's one of the more up and coming younger coaches in the in the uh, NCAA. And how does how does TJ feel about this? Well, how does TJ feel about a coach potentially leaving Iowa State, his dream job? Oh well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> maybe that maybe just maybe TJ. Um, maybe this wasn't a dream job for Matt Campbell, and it's more of a stepping stone. Like it, like you used UNLV for any any coach that says or at least in college that says this is my dream job just fire them save yourself the headache they don't want to go to the pros come yeah. on now <laughs> like okay if you get a job with the Golden State Warriors that's probably a dream job like if you get a job with well as of right now maybe the Boston Celtics they might be looking for a guy um, it, it, essentially if your dream job is Coaching a college team in Ames, Iowa, or in Lubbock, Texas, you may want to reevaluate. There's probably maybe five college jobs that I could say, yeah, that's probably a dream job. Like if you if you got the chance to coach USC, that's probably a dream job. Alabama's probably a dream job. Michigan, because of its history, is probably a dream job. I think Oregon could be one too. Oregon, yeah. The Ducks, to be clear, by the way. Oregon Ducks, yeah. Um, I mean, they they have great uniform co- uh, colors. So it's just go. the the resources they have. I think that's I, right. They have a lot of good facilities. Not not to get too far off topic, which we are, but this is what the show's all about. Welcome to the show. If you haven't, already. Oregon has the best resources. I think than any a lot of it, any other Division One program. Like yeah. if you've been to their campus and you see what they're 
football facility looks like, what their basketball arena and facility looks like because of Nike yep. and the footprint that Nike has in, in Oregon. Well, that would be a, that would be a dream job for me because like I have everything I need. I was gonna say Nike, successful. one of Nike's main headquarters. It may be their only main headquarters is in Oregon. It's right. in Beaver well, Beaverton, I think. Well, yeah, it was founded in Oregon. So yeah. Oregon and OSU. OSU has you know the uh, I won't say the same amount, but OSU has you know a decent amount of resources as well. But Oregon, Oregon has everything you need there to be successful. So I find it hard. Like sometimes it'll be like, how come? Oregon football is not back to where they were. Maybe it's because of the Pac-12 where you look at Oregon basketball and you're like, how are they not a top 15, top 10 team every year? So that would be a dream job. And I think maybe Texas too, the University of Texas. Yeah. Austin, Texas could be one too. But yeah, no, happy for the Jayhawks. They got to 5-0. and They're, they're going to be knocking on the door for a bowl game. Uh, similar to UNLV, I'm not sure when the last time we could have said the Kansas Jayhawks are going to a bowl game, but they it all looks like they will be going to a rather respectable bowl game this year. Right. Even though it can't happen because it has to be a it has to be a Big Twelve and Big Ten team, I think, for yeah. the Rose Bowl. Give, well, no, me, well, what Big is it? Big Ten, Big Twelve? That's, I think so. I, I know a Big Ten team's in there. I don't know if they swap it out for the Pac twelve though. It could be a Pac twelve team. Oh right? yeah, it could be a Pac twelve. That's right. But there's, I mean, you still go to like the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. I think they do swap it out though because of the playoff. Yeah, yeah, they sometimes have to use the Rose Bowl as a semifinal game. Give me UNLV in Kansas and give come on, switch up the format, you cowards. Can we have a bowl game? I mean, we already have these ridiculous ass bowl games of the Mayo Bowl and the Jimmy Kimball, but nobody watches bowl. The Jimmy Kimball is the worst name one. That's the worst one. Yeah. I can't I could not find motivation if they're like you guys are going to the Jimmy Kimball LA Bowl. I'd be like mm-hmm. I don't want to play. You're yeah. a freshman. Yeah. yeah I'm I'll good. sit this one out. Or the Mayo Bowl like uh, no, I'm good. Um the Mayo but, Trophy. But we should be, the NCAA should have the power to come up with a bowl game specifically for these two teams. Call it whatever you want, get the sponsor right. Like, have these two teams play. Played in Vegas, too. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we'll run out of Legion Stadium. Uh, to the don't like list the Lions. The Lions. Lions the Lions Uh-oh. broke my heart. Lions flop. Uh, one in three. A. 48 to 45 loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Almost said the Sonics. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- this is this is a team that I've obviously I fell in love with over Hard Knocks and I was very high on going into this year and they have scored the most points in the National Football League and they have averaged the most points in the National Football League yet they're sitting at 1 and 3. That leads me to believe their defensive coordinator is on very thin ice right now. And he was one of the coaches I was a huge fan of during Hard Knock. So this team is probably going to get broken up in terms of coaching. I don't know if Dan Cab- Dan, excuse me, Dan Campbell will be in that. I, I would imagine not. Um, only year two into this, and considering how patient that organization was with Matt Patricia, but there may be a shakeup on the defensive end of the the, the spectrum with their coaches. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but that is definitely a don't like. I want to see this Lions team do really well. Um, so it's really unfortunate they lost a a very winnable game to the Seattle uh, Seahawks. This is a game they should have won. Um, not only won, but won pretty convincingly, I think at least by a touchdown or more. Uh, so on the offensive end, they, they look great uh, in terms of their run game. Uh, Goff threw for over 300 yards. Uh, Hawkinson had a great game. Not much to complain on that end of the ball. It all goes to the defensive end, and I would imagine – I don't think they're going to turn around here in, in a week. Um, I don't know what their schedule. I don't know what they. Who do they play next? The Lions. Uh, the Lions play. Let me look. Detroit Lions. Because I would. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just not imagining a, a defensive turnaround in one week here, um, regardless of their opponent. Because if you let Seattle put up 48, let Philly put up 38. Um, <laughs> they go to New England. Yeah. So. I'm sure Brian Hoyer, whoever whoever the quarterback is that week, if it's Bill Belichick suiting up, he'll they'll find a way to go for you know 300 yards and, and four touchdowns. So definitely uh, upset about the Lions, and we will see what happens next week with them. Not a, not an easy one um, going on the road to New England, regardless of the Patriots' record at the moment. Another thing I don't like: Matt May not like this. Kenny Pickett at QB one too soon. It's fair. Don't like it. He threw three picks already his first game, and he didn't even play a full game. Uh, I don't like this move for Mike Tomlin. I think I, I feel like he's caving under the pressure of the fan base. 
Kenny Pickett is not ready yet. And I think Kenny Pickett will be a solid quarterback for the Steelers in the future. And I, I hope I'm wrong because I'm not rooting for this kid to fail because that's just weird to root for him to fail. I just don't think he's ready. Um, if he goes out there and has a great game and gets the Steelers to the playoffs this year, I'll be happy to eat my own words up and, and you know, give him his props where, where props is due. But I, I don't think he's ready yet. And um, I don't think it's fair for the Steelers to put him in quite yet. I think he should be a last resort option. They're not at that position quite yet. They still have Rudolph. Trubinsky got hurt, or uh, they benched him. They may have benched him. I didn't hear about him getting yeah. hurt. So you, you still got two QBs there ahead of him. Um, let's be real. The Steelers are not, with Pickett or not, they're not going to be a great team this season. Um, get yourself a good draft pick. Let 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 Pickett continue to sit back and learn. Um, don't rush him into this. Next year you can give him a shot. Um, I, I, a lot of times it doesn't work well when you just throw a rookie QB in there, especially now midseason. Uh, or not midseason, but you're throwing him in at one and three. The fan base is going to be expecting so much from them. The fan base is often has unrealistic expectations. They're going to be expecting Kenny Pickett to come in and turn it around, and if he doesn't, it's just going to make it harder and harder. You don't want to put all that on a rookie QB. Um, so I don't like it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin is going to go down as one of the greatest football coaches of all time, but I think he got it wrong here putting picking in a QB1. Last thing, Suns losing to the 36ers. This Not, is more of a making fun of them. Yeah. I I, I particularly don't have an issue with the Phoenix Suns. I like Chris Paul. Um, and I, I like DeAndre Ian, so I, I don't really dislike the, the Phoenix Suns, but it's like, come on. I understand it's preseason, but I don't think people understand how rare this, how bad this really is. This is the 36ers team that finished, I believe, 8th or 6th out of 10th in their league in Australia. They weren't even the best team in Australia. They were bottom 5 either way. I can't remember where they placed exactly, but it was somewhere between 6 and 10. So either way, they were bottom 5. They're a bottom 5 team in an Australian league, and... Um, this is a Phoenix Suns team that was just in the finals two years ago. And that was a one seed still in the Western Conference last season. Uh, so definitely not a good look. The last time this happened in the NBA was 2015. It was the Philadelphia 76ers, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that team was terrible. Yeah, That Sixers team was bad. I think in 14, they were coming off that 10-win season. Mm-hmm. So that was literally one of the worst teams in NBA history going against a real Madrid team that had a lot of talent on it, like Luka Doncic. Yep. And I think they barely won that game. Yeah. That's the last time that happened. So not really excusable still for the 76ers, but they played a lot of future NBA stars on that team, and that was one of the worst NBA teams that they were playing uh, in being the Philadelphia 76ers. So for the Phoenix Suns to lose by 10 at home to a bottom five Australian team coming off the year they just came off, that's bad. That's really bad. I don't care if it's preseason. Um, the Suns are not looking hot this year, and I will not say that's an overreaction because another thing I will use to back that up, them when they had matched DeAndre Ian's offer, um, they were talking about if he had spoken to Monty Williams in the offseason. Him and Monty Williams, who's the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre and Monty Williams had not spoken one word to each other the entire offseason. One word. This is a Suns team that can implode yeah. in this, season. Yeah. This and Jay Crowder also not showing up to training camp. Yeah, this could be one of the bigger disappointments in the league. Yeah, this, the season technically has not even started. And we've had three things go wrong for them already. Yeah, so I'm not going to sit here and say it's an overreaction. I think they will find a way. They will find their way into the playoffs, but they may not be a top five team in the West this year. They Probably may not. struggle. Yeah, and it will be more of chemistry and internal issues rather than talent issues because they definitely have the talent could force chris paul to retire like i don't know if chris paul wants to stick around for that mess or he'll he'll just find another he'll find another team to to go to where he can get a ring there you go um or at least try to get a ring like right chris paul he might be the next alan iverson honestly that <laughs> just retires without a ring um while we are on the topic of nba that's actually where my first dislike is the nba tried it joey they went to seattle for some preseason games they got less than ten thousand people to show up to the game well, the one last night they got a decent crowd, but it was two NBA teams. It was not a sellout, but the first one, yeah, 9,000 people. You could put UNLV versus UNR right now 
in the T-Mobile Arena, and there would probably be more people that show up for that than that opening preseason game. The last UNLV and UNR game that did not have any COVID restrictions, it was a UNLV team with a losing record, mind you, 12,000 fans. My point exactly. Yeah, Thomas and Mac. Like, Vegas will show up for anything, quite literally. I mean, we're they're selling out the, the arena, the T-Mobile Arena, for preseason hockey. Like, just these past games alone. For a very bad Knights team. Yeah, I mean, these past three home games, and probably tonight as well, they're, they've averaged over 17,000 people still. And that's, like Joey said, with a bad Knights team that is on the decline and it's preseason hockey, yet people are still finding a way to show up. I don't know how much more clear we have to make it. UNL, or the NBA needs to put a team in Las Vegas permanently. I mean, you know you are going to have the fan support. You can't sell me the load of bull crap that it's about the sports gambling because a lot of your NBA franchises now are located in states where it's legal to bet on sports. You can't tell me it's the clubs or this or that because we've had incidents before in other NBA franchises in those cities where they've gone on road trips, they've gotten in trouble. I mean, take a perfect example. Lou Williams got basically 86 from the league essentially for going to get some hot wings at a strip club. like That happened in Vegas. Oh, my God. That probably but, happens on a nightly basis here in Vegas. Like, just heads up. Like, it probably happens more than you think. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, it, these incidents that happen in other cities, if it happens in Vegas, it's like the whole, got to take sports out of Vegas. It's not going to work there. It's not going to work there. But what happens, it's something we've talked about before. When it happens in another city, as they should, they hold the athlete accountable for the stuff they did. Right, but when it happens in Vegas, it's like, oh, it's 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 Vegas, yeah. it's Vegas. It happens, but which in, in reality we've had two incidents here, which I don't see how it was Las Vegas's fault at all. It was someone who, you know, you, you know the one story, and then the Alvin Kamara incident. Yeah, that's the two incidents we've had, which yeah. I don't see how that was the city's fault at all, other right. than those two guys' fault. But to your point of nine thousand fans at um, the uh, Clippers game in Seattle. Las Vegas also averaged 16,000 fans opening weekend of Summer League. Right. Summer League. And if, you don't, if, you, if you're still skeptical, at the end of this week, pull the numbers from Wednesday and Thursday's preseason game with the Lakers. I think they play uh, Phoenix on Wednesday, Minnesota on Thursday. Pull the numbers from those two games, and I guarantee you it will double that. Pull the numbers from the Ignite preseason games this weekend as well. Well, the Ignite might be a little... I have to... Well, one's at night. They're, they play at the DLC. I'm wondering how many seats the DLC can hold. I'm just saying in the capacity thing. Yeah, percentage wise, yeah. it will probably. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll be. I'll probably be there on Thursday, to be honest with you, because I'm excited to see what the steam looks like. Yeah. And it's a rare Thursday at noon game. I'm, but I was talking to somebody. They said that's because the Lakers are playing at seven o'clock that night, and they don't want anything interfering with that. Makes sense. So. I don't know. I'm here for it. Give me Thursday at lunchtime basketball. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. Um, Joey mentioned part of this earlier. I'm going to kind of make it more broad. Steelers lose to the Jets at home. I mean, my goodness. This was a game you had to win if you were the Steelers. Like, especially looking at the rest of their schedule, at least in the short term. Next week, they go to Buffalo. So that's probably a loss. That's the game you're throwing Kenny Pickett in. Because yeah. the first true starter is going to be on the road at Buffalo. And then you do come back home, but you're playing Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. You go to Miami. You go to Philadelphia. You're home for the Saints. You're home for the Bengals, who looked very impressive, by the way, against Miami. Um, you go to Indianapolis, to Atlanta, home for the Ravens, at the Panthers, home for the Raiders, at the Ravens, and you close out the year against the Browns at home. I got 5-12. and 12. I would say there is not very many wins on that schedule, and that's coming from a Steeler fan. This could be the first year Mike Tomlin does not get to at least 500. And I think the Steelers are finally going to look up and realize we fucked up. <laughs> we should have looked at a quarterback a long time ago. What, yeah, I mean, three years ago would have been the perfect time to start looking at a quarterback for the future. You could have... Because now all of a sudden, like you said, the fan base is all screaming for Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett. This is, we're, what, three or four games in? And, you know, now you decide to cave in and put in Pickett. And you want to throw him in during this stretch? 
Oh, those four that four game stretches where you want to throw them in. Yeah, Bills, Buccaneers, Eagles, and Dolphins, or somewhere. At least those are the four. Maybe it's four in the in the next five games or something like that. But still not right. an easy stretch. And I mean, if you were the Steelers, you knew Ben was deteriorating at a pretty rapid pace. You could have caught this really at the end of the 2018 or 2019 season and said, you know what? Just for insurance purposes, we don't even know if we're going to need a quarterback. Maybe Ben gives us more years than we think. But just in case he doesn't, let's go out. Let's get a quarterback. Let's develop him. Let's. Yeah, instead, they, you know, they did what they did. They basically mortgaged off Antonio Brown. They mortgaged off Le'Veon Bell. And, I mean, you look at it now, obviously AB's kind of turned into a head case, but I still argue that all of that happened because of what happened in Pittsburgh that kind of started the chain reaction for AB, I feel like, because then he went to the Raiders and just after after he let, left Pittsburgh, it felt like AB was never really the same. Um, for some reason, he, he managed to keep it pretty intact when he was with the Steelers. So, I mean, you, you look at the Steelers, you, you mortgaged off your star receiver and your star running back because you wanted to put faith in a guy that you knew was deteriorating. Everybody around the organization knew Ben was deteriorating. And at that same juncture, you didn't want to at least invest in a young quarterback in the draft where you knew he's probably not playing year one. He may get limited snaps in year two, but this is to prepare for life after Ben. It felt like the Steelers were very reactionary about this to where when Ben retired, then they looked around and went, uh, okay, Mitchell Trubisky, you're going to be the quarterback. And it just it just felt like, which is very uncharacteristic for the Steelers, they felt very unprepared about this for some reason. So they're, they're feeling the effects now. And, I mean, I, there's already articles out now that, you know, Mike Tomlin could be on the hot seat for potential firing. Quite frankly, if they go five and twelve, I don't think it's Mike Tomlin's fault. I think it's his front office's fault. Like they didn't they didn't prepare a roster good enough for Mike Tomlin. And I think the front office is probably looking at that and they at some point in time they're probably going to realize that that we didn't give Mike Tomlin the best tools to be successful. So we can't really put it on him. Right. Um that's number two. Number three, another disappointment of a team, the LA Rams. Matthew Stafford has zero business being a starting quarterback in this league after last <laughs> night. I mean, my goodness. That the fact of the matter that Jimmy Garoppolo Does he know how to throw the ball to anyone besides Cooper Cup? I don't think he knows how to throw the ball past five yards. Like I think I could throw the ball further than Matthew Stafford at this current juncture. Jimmy Garoppolo looked far and away better than Matthew Stafford. And that's and I'm not gonna put it all on Matt Stafford. I do think Sean McVay does not trust Matthew Stafford to throw the football because there was a lot of times last night where the Rams would line up. This would be a, it would be a perfect situation to pass the ball and it would be a handoff to Cam Akers, a handoff to uh, Daryl Henderson. So that tells me as a fan, you don't trust Matthew Stafford to throw the football in key situations when you need it. And I tried saying this when he was in Detroit and even I, I get that he made a Super Bowl run I tried saying maybe the problem is Matt Stafford. I mean, maybe we, we, we know what we're getting out of Matt Stafford because the narrative a lot of time for the longest time in Detroit was, oh, well, he's just playing in Detroit. He hasn't had the great coach. He hasn't had this. He hasn't that. He goes to L.A. He does win a Super Bowl, so I'm not going to take that away from him. He won a Super Bowl. He played well enough to lead his team to a Super Bowl, but that was also under the perfect circumstances. You had Sean McVay. You had, more importantly, you had – a very talented receiving core that had Odell Beckham, a healthy Tyler Higby, uh, Cooper Cup that was on the rise. You've lost at least, and I think Van Jefferson was on the team last year too, yeah. also healthy. You've lost two of those four pieces, and you're now force-feeding Cooper Cup. We're starting to see, it's very similar to like... They also had Robert Woods. Don't forget about Robert Woods. They had Robert Woods. So three of the five, you've all lost now. Tyler Higby is just eh. And Cooper Cup's your main guy at this point. And, I, I mean, I, I, I guess this is kind of the same comparison. I said it with uh, Kaepernick when he was with the Niners. I said, the situation is built perfect for Colin Kaepernick. He's got the best offensive line. He's got fantastic receivers to go to. He has a very solid running game. You could see once, I mean, granted, they had the whole off-the-field instance or circumstances going on around with Colin Kaepernick, so that probably played a part. But you started to see, like, when he started to lose some of those receivers and he, his running game started to de deteriorate, 
he started to become a little bit less of an effective quarterback than he was. I think the same thing's happening with Matt Stafford. We saw that, oh, I mean, granted, that 17 interceptions last year, I think that kind of got overshadowed a lot because they just figured, well, he's winning football games, so who cares? And now that they're not winning games, they lost the opener pretty embarrassingly to the Buffalo Bills at home, and now you lose to a division rival in pretty uncompetitive fashion on the road. The Rams have serious problems going on now. Yeah, and I, I'm in agreement with Matt. I've I've always thought that about Matthew Stafford, and um, that's something we had talked about. I think um, uh, last year, um, back on the radio show, uh, we had a discussion about Matthew Stafford, and I do I definitely do think it's strange how the the sports media kind of protects Matthew Stafford and gives him a lot of excuses. Which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a terrible quarterback, but no, he yeah, is. I, <laughs> he he uh, he definitely played on a role into the issues in Detroit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just because of the Lions, and it was he had one of the best receivers of all time in Megatron uh, or Calvin Johnson. Um, and then you come over to L.A., and, and granted, uh, he did win a Super Bowl last year, and not trying to take that away from him, but like Matt said, the perfect he had the perfect roster. And also, he kind of had a, I don't know if I'll say a cakewalk, but, you know, he got a Niners team that probably should not have been in the NFC Championship. Yeah. He played a Bengals team that probably should not have been in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know who you played in the first round. I can't remember. Uh, they played somebody. I have to go back and think. Who yeah. Was in that first but, round? Or it was the Cowboys, right? No, the Cowboys played the Rams. Or the Cowboys played the, uh, excuse me, the 49ers. They played the Bucks. I think. They played an old That's right. old man Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, I'll give them that win. But, again, you play a, a 49ers team that probably shouldn't have been there. And if you play a Bengals team that... Should not have been there as well. And you look at, they played the Bills. Do you think the Rams still are Super Bowl champions? No. They play the Chiefs. Do you think they're still Super Bowl champions? No. So, yeah. Um, but, hey, again, hey, he won it. And, again, you're seeing the fraud being exposed this year because all he does is throw the ball to Higby and um, Cooper Cup, who I think made up of 24 of his 30 receptions or 30. Uh, There's 30 receptions last night. 24 of those receptions came from those two guys. Yeah, they, he was four seed in those guys. Yeah. Um, but going on to got two more things left. We do. Uh, Tua. Yes. So we didn't get a chance to talk about this, I believe, last week. Uh, I mean, what happened there? The the you, you see the incident the previous Sunday where he kind of gets up, he stumbles, he collapses two times, he goes into the locker room. Uh, quote-unquote back injury, comes back out, finishes the game. Uh, and then on a short week, them knowing what the actual injury was, that's what I'll, I'll say with that, them knowing what the actual injury was, they go out and play him Thursday. He essentially had two concussions in a four-day span, which is bad. Like That's really bad. And then on the plane ride home, this is something I really took away from it. On the plane ride home, Mike McDaniel had said how him and Tua watched a movie. Correct me if I'm wrong. When you have a concussion, you're supposed to be away from the screen for at least 48 hours. Correct. So they just continue um, to screw this guy over, it seems like. Do you think he plays this upcoming Sunday? I hope not. For Tua's sake, I hope not. Now what you hope, do you think the Dolphins play him this Sunday? Oh, they probably will. They'll look at it and go, well, you had over 10 days, or you had about 10 days between our last game and this game. They'll they'll do the same. They'll try and rush him back. Um, I mean, nothing is surprising when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. Again, this is the same organization that were paying that was paying head coaches to intentionally lose football games. That's all you really need to know about what goes on with the Miami Dolphins. They don't give a shit. About He's been ruled anything. out this Sunday, by the way. Well, that's probably by four. It's like I feel like Miami wanted to play him, and the league probably was like, "Not happening." Uh, uh-uh. uh, no. Come on, he's ready. No. And really, I don't even think the league wanted to do that. There was probably some outside sources, some very experienced doctors that said, you better not. I think this puts the whole NFL concussion protocol a big question mark on it because um, I think everyone kind of saw that Tua should not have been playing. And that, that, that was not a back injury. No. What he experienced on the previous Sunday. I've not seen anyone get a back injury and wobble around like that and collapse two times. And he never once held on to his back and you look at Thursday as soon as his head hit the grass if the 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 thing with his hands which was terrifying to watch yeah 
that was almost immediate. As soon as his head hit the floor, the thing with his hands happened almost immediately. Um, so that kind of just shows what the what the actual extent of the injury was. So, yeah, shame, shame on the Dolphins. They've had uh, quite a few incidents the past few years, like with the paying the coaches, firing Brian Flores, wanting the trade for Deshaun Watson, and now this. Um, not not a good look for a team that was really off to a very promising start. Yeah, if you are the NFL and you're the Miami Dolphins, you should be ashamed of yourself, point blank. This You knew this was a money decision. You went into the decision knowing damn well you didn't give a shit about Tua. And, now, I mean, at this point in time, you could potentially screw Tua up for the rest of his life. That's what it is. Because you were so worried about the bottom line in a league that is the most profitable league already amongst all professional sports. It doesn't even, it's not even close. The NBA is probably second, but there is a gap, a, a significant gap between the NFL and the NBA when it comes to being profitable. It is the most watched league in the world. I mean, we have people from London, all worldwide that are watching the NFL every week. And yet you were still worried about getting Tua to play on a Thursday night game when you knew he had, he was significantly injured the Sunday before. And I mean, honestly, what I think happened and it's terrible that it did. Miami probably knew that he had a concussion they weren't going to disclose that with anybody, including the NFL, because they knew if they disclosed that it was a concussion for the NFL, it triggers the NFL concussion protocol, which, as Joey mentioned, has kind of been a little in, in, sus, in suspect, I guess, however you want to phrase that, has been a little bit questionable um, recently. I mean, we saw it even in the Tampa Bay game. Cameron Bray um, suffered a, or what they believed to be what was looked like a concussion in the first half, and then they had him come back in the second half. So... I mean, they kind of suspected injury, head injury should be at least for that game you're out. Yeah, and so we can further evaluate that. Right, and so you knew it, you knew Tua suffered some form of a head injury because if it was a back injury, Tua is still laying on the ground. He does not get back up and try to hurry back up to the huddle. A back injury is that immobilizing to a person. Like you do not walk very well. So I find it hard to believe that it was a quote-unquote back injury and that Tua just popped right back up and started jogging on towards the huddle. Because if it's a back injury, typically you don't get up very fast from those. Um, so that's why and the stumble kind of confirmed that it, it felt like that was a concussion. So it felt like Miami covered a lot of this up. And really, I mean, if you are a fan of the Dolphins, you should be pissed off. If you, are, if you had any money on or in the direction of Miami, you should feel pissed off because you were point blank lied to. And that's the problem that I have with it. Yeah. And then this is like Matt had mentioned, uh, the long-term effects of not only the dolphins and not only the, the NFL in general, uh, with every single team, um, you know, especially with head injuries in particular, you look at CTE and how retired players or former players, uh, have affected them. Um, this is something that you, you would think they'd be taking a lot more seriously. Um, any kind of head injury or suspicion of a head injury should immediately rule you out for the rest of the game until they can further evaluate that. And if you're the NFL, keep it up because you're going to have a pretty big lawsuit on your hands if you keep this nonsense up because you're going to get enough of these guys that are going to retire from the game and in a few years down the road, they're going to have enough players on this lawsuit that they are probably going to win against the NFL and the NFL is going to lose a lot of money. So if you're, the, if you're Roger Goodell and you're the league, you may want to take a very hard look at your NFL concussion protocol, and you may want to drop the hammer on a lot of these teams to say, look, if we suspect any sort of head injury, it's an automatic X amount of days out. Right. I mean, you did it for COVID. Like, that's the thing. You did it with COVID because you were so scared about COVID, but we're not going to be scared about somebody potentially busting their brain out of their head. Yeah. It makes no sense. Doesn't make any sense um, to out this Sunday. Uh, before we wrap it up here, another unfortunate situation of who was once a really good, a really great player, uh, Antonio Brown, um, having an incident in Dubai. Won't describe it on the, the mic, um, but yeah. I think if if you've seen the video, you've seen the video. If not, just type in Antonio Brown video and kind of look, just watch it for yourself. Um, the big issue I had with this, obviously, what he did, but he then took to Twitter later and said, stop playing with my character, played the victim as he always does. Yeah. 
Antonio, I think you're just a terrible person. Not to I, mention he posted the picture with him and Tom Brady's wife. Yeah, I, I think you're just I think you're just a terrible person, Antonio Brown. I don't think anyone's after you. I don't think anyone's playing with your character. Everything you've done has been in front of the cameras for the world to see, and they have made a pretty good um, – they have now a pretty good idea of you. You walking off the field, you assaulting a UPS driver, you um, punching Mike Mayock, you doing this in Dubai. What 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 are we not understanding about your character? Because it's it's a, it's it's an incident after an incident after an incident after an incident with Antonio Brown. And truly, truthfully, I hope he gets help. Because I don't know what I don't know what's wrong. I'm not a doc. I can't diagnose. I can't sit here and be. He's got CTE. He's got this. He's got that. But I truly do hope he gets help. Honestly, but um, no, no one's playing with your character. Everything you've done, um, you know, I think everyone has a has a reason to sit up here and say what they need to say about you. It's like me coming up here and saying you're a terrible person for what you did. Uh, Not only Sunday, but we can go down the list of of shit you've done the past three years. Uh, So. I think you need to stop playing the victim card, and I, I I really hope he gets help. And also shame on the people around Antonio Brown because they encouraged this behavior from him. Um, even you watch the video of the incident, they were encouraging him to continuously do it. They were laughing at it. Um, so the people around, I think that's another thing Antonio really has to look at. The people around him really don't give a shit about him. They're just kind of piggybacking, piggybacking off the popularity and the money he has. Um, rather than being like, because if they were real friends or, or, or real people that truthfully cared about him, they'd be like, Antonio, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? Like, is this funny? Is this funny what you're doing? Or is this like, is you walking off the field mid-game and, and throwing a temper tantrum and, and throwing your jersey into the stands? Like, is that really good? Is that publicity you want? Or or doing what you did in Dubai, is that the publicity you want? Like, if there's people around him that truthfully cared about him, they would be saying something, but the people around him don't give a shit. Yeah. And, um, that video that came out Friday or Thursday, or whenever it did kind of furthermore prove that because they incur they continue to encourage it. So they just want, they're there for the money and the popularity that Antonio Brown brings rather than being an actual friend or family member or whatever these people are to him. So, you know, uh, not that Antonio Brown listens to this or that he would, even if he did that he would care, but, you know, I don't. I don't think anyone is coming after you. You're not the victim that you are. You're just a, a shitty person. I hope he gets help, and I hope he realizes one way or another that um, the people around him are just about as big as assholes as he is. Yeah, Antonio Brown needs to be checked into a mental facility today, like, and not let go until you know he is fully okay. Because he's clearly not okay right now. He's not been okay for a while. And I was willing to let the video go for Antonio. I was willing to let that go. The fact of the matter is that this man went to Twitter or social media or whatever, maybe it was Instagram, I don't know, and posted a picture, a Photoshop picture of him and Tom Brady's wife is kind of what broke the straw for me. That is a man that brought you into Tampa Bay to resurrect your career. Your career was over. Nobody wanted you. Like that's that I don't know if Antonio Brown fully understands that. At that point in time, no NFL team wanted Antonio Brown. the The word was out on Antonio Brown. This dude is a cancer. Stay away. Not a good dude. And yet you chose, or not? I mean, not chose, but Tom Brady saw Antonio Brown, connected the experience that he had with, with him in New England, and said, "You know what? Maybe we need to give this guy another shot." He also gave him another chance in New England. Yeah. So two times Tom Brady has taken a chance on you after nobody else wanted you. After you assaulted your general manager and had um, over a helmet. Yeah. When the, he assaulted his GM and then he had an issue with his helmet. Right. He wanted to wear the helmet that the NFL was like, no, because these helmets are giving a lot of people concussions. Right. Or the NFL is pretending to care about concussions. Yeah. They, <laughs> we all know they don't. I, I mean, we just like, uh, just I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, don't worry. If there weren't cameras, we probably wouldn't care, but, you know. Yeah, don't worry. That, that'll come out at a later time. Anyway, um, no, Tom Brady took a chance on you twice. And I think, I mean, if the reports are right, even took, you know, even took in Antonio Brown when he came to Tampa Bay. Like, he didn't have a place to stay in Tampa. Tom brought him in, 
and, you know, kind of got him up on his feet, got him going in the right direction, won him a Super Bowl, and this is the thanks you give to Tom Brady. A guy that is going to be arguably the best quarterback that's ever played this game. This is the thanks you give to a guy that saved your career. Because if it wasn't for Tom Brady, after the Raiders, I don't know if Antonio Brown's playing football. Maybe he is on a, on a minimum deal for an organization that probably would have ended up cutting him anyway. And you could say, well, the same thing happened with New England. Right. But the, the fact of the matter is Tom Brady still took a chance on Antonio Brown, not once, but twice. And to go after Tom Brady's family is a little bit, I mean, to me, that, that, that crossed the line. Like, if I was Tom Brady, I'd be very surprised if he didn't have anything to say about this. He may not because he's Tom Brady. He just doesn't get into that type of stuff. But, I, I mean, I don't know. That, that, to me, tells me that Antonio Brown is by far and away not in the right headspace when, I mean, you're, you're going after a guy that resurrected your career and got you paid longer than you would have if he hadn't. So... Yeah, I mean, you look at all the things that have gone through with Antonio Brown, the video, you know, the the Photoshop picture of him and Giselle. Um, I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. I mean, I said it earlier in the show. I think the fallout of what happened in Pittsburgh triggered a series of events for Antonio Brown. I still wonder if he is still in Pittsburgh to this day. And, you know, the, the front office in particular and Mike Tomlin a little bit, had favored more towards Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown if he still is the same person. I would I'd seriously wonder that because I don't think he is. I think he's he's more, he, he's probably still considered one of the best receivers in the league if he's able to stay on the right path like he was in Pittsburgh. But because of all that fallout, I mean, because of how his time ended in Pittsburgh, to me, I feel like that triggered everything we're seeing now. So, yeah. So it's unfortunate. Really unfortunate, um, but new segment here we tried out today. I think we'll start continue to do that on Tuesdays. Uh, we'll go with our likes and dislikes over the weekend. Uh, could be anything related in sports. Um, and then we'll see you guys Thursday where we will go over another big week in college football yep. and any news that may happen. NBA preseason is, full, is in full swing, so it's been a while since you've heard some NBA news. Could start getting back in the flow of the things with the NBA. And not to mention, we will have a preview for Thursday Night Football, that being the, I believe, the Colts and the um, the Broncos this week for Thursday Night Football. So a decent game to get into there. All coming up on Thursday's episode. Again, I've been your host, at Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at BackForthPod. Instagram is at BackForthPodcast. And, of course, make sure you give the Talk That Talk Media Company a follow on Twitter, at TTT Media Company. The rest of the socials are spelled out, at Talk That Talk Media Company. We will talk to you guys on Thursday.